They're a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Puck with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. Welcome to yet another amazing episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Podcast. My name is Thomas Moshe Putt, and with me I have Matthew Fancy Pants Crummins. No. Wow, we're switching it up. And what, Moshe, is that honestly your middle name? It's Moshe, M-O-S-H-E. Yep, it's Hebrew what, what, for Moses. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I was about to ask where the origin of that is because it's certainly, um, I mean, it sounds like a like a good guitarist. Oh, oh, I dropped my microphone again. I've got to get this sorted. I've got to get this sorted. A good guitarist, do you think stand. so? Well, like, yeah, I was just down at the pub and there's this amazing guy playing. His name was Moshe. <laughs> Do you think I should change? I'm going to change the gallery name to Landscapes by Thomas Moshe. What do you think? I'll just do Landscapes by Moshe. That sounds exotic. Oh, wowzers. I feel like yeah. I should have my galleries in foreign countries then. Well, I, you know what's funny though? Because now you've mentioned what it actually means. This is exactly the same as Mrs. Bucket calling herself Mrs. Bouquet, <laughs> isn't it? It's like, what is this? Oh, what's, where is the origin of that? Oh, Moses. Oh, okay, but it's Moshe. Well, <laughs> it's yeah, like because, because designer brand. Yeah, version. because at school, my friends used to call me Musha. Musha. So they used to sort of bastardize it. Whereas Moshe is a lot more exotic. It's a lot it more is. refined and and upper class. You could whisper that in someone's ear, and they would <laughs> smile. <laughs> I'll try it the next time I see you. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be a fragrance as well. I reckon. It's got the same vibe. Ah, oh, I do love that. Well, when I'm more famous than I already am, maybe that maybe a, a fragrance company will approach me and I'll be able to do that. Well, speaking of being famous, I believe you have just been on a world tour. Does that mean I'm famous? I don't know. I, I feel like <laughs> anyone who says they're getting a world tour, I'm like, that's, that's pretty, a long pretty impressive. I, you know what? Funny you mentioned that. I have been away. I have been away since our last podcast. Of course, remember the last podcast I did while I was over there? Remember yeah, we did that right? remotely via, via yeah. um, satellite link. But Thank I, I you, Elon you. Musk. <laughs> I told you it was going. the workshop was going extremely well <laughs> and you called me out for that. Um, so it was amazing. It was fantastic. It was uh, my first time to the US photographing there professionally and – uh, going to some of those iconic landscapes in Yellowstone that I'd only seen in magazines 30 years ago when I was teaching myself photography was quite surreal. And uh, we had great weather. We had mostly sort of still weather, blue skies, a few overcast days, and then we had snow on the last day, which was a real bonus. But we didn't get hammered by any filthy weather with cold temperatures and, and strong winds. So it just made it really pleasant for us, and it meant that uh, – we had a great time, so can't nice. wait to do it again. We're going back next year, so I wish it and, was tomorrow. I really do. And um, just to ask, so no one's going to see any of these images till September, though. Is that October now, Matthew? October. We're pushing it out. I know, I know. And and wow. the reason the reason being is <laughs> got some other things to do. Well, I just didn't think I'd have enough good quality photographs by then, so I wanted to give myself an extra month. 
Right. There you go. <laughs> and uh, I guess the old spray and pray technique's not working quite so well these days, hey? It's amazing what you can't get at even 30 frames per second. But yeah, um, Tom's actually no. waiting for the iPhone 15 to come out, which um, would mean the uh, September deadline's probably a little bit too tight. Yeah. Give okay, the I'm, I'm, technology another month to develop um, its it. smarts to, to make better landscapes. I've already, I've already been in the Apple store and made sure I'm at the top of the queue. Um, <laughs> I know we're away September. We're actually in the Faroe Islands and Iceland in September, so it doesn't make sense for us to have a launch and then close the gallery for two or three weeks. So, oh, But imagine the suspense, though. Everyone's <laughs> like, I'm just about to go down there. No, nah, closed. Got to come back in a month. And you just sit there. <laughs> dying for a month waiting so this is putting a lot of pressure on me matthew the more you mention it because already it's been mentioned on other podcasts that they think this is a great idea but by the same token imagine the quality and i'm like jesus i hope look look i'm just an average photographer who happens to just take a few nice photos every now and again so please everybody i don't want you to think that this is going to be the world's greatest photographic exhibition it's just going to be a few nice photos that i've taken over the journey in the last 12 months and you may not have seen them before so it would be perhaps a pleasant surprise to come down to the gallery and see them for the first time that's it and this is why you're the king of marketing tom <laughs> that's um that was inspirational thank you i don't know about that i don't know about that what have you been up to um, to be honest, I've had a really, really, really ridiculously busy time, as per usual, really, I think. Um, I had this, this. I get this, you know when you kind of get, Christmas for me is usually pretty quiet, you know, uh, like Matt, there's like Matt, the whole. Matt, Matt, I just have to hold you up there, mate. Mm-hmm. It's February now, it's Christmas is in December, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure where you're at, but uh, this is this, a pretty good, have we gone back a, in time or something? Are we, this is a pretty good indication of my life at the moment. Like, no, my computer with, says Tuesday the 21st of February, so I'm pretty sure it's not Tuesday the 21st of December. <laughs> well, I get, to the, I, get to, I get to that point in the year in December and, you know, like you, you're running some workshops and most corporate places have sort of shut down for the year, so most projects wrap up. I kind of go to myself, yeah, I'll take January as a pretty easy one. I'll throw a couple of workshops in there, but, you know, I need some downtime, enjoy summer a bit. This year, I put a few workshops on and I thought, oh, by the time we hit to February, you know, corporate still haven't started up yet. So I'll just put a heap of workshops on. That'll be fine. So I did all these workshops. They went bonkers, um, which was really exciting because they all like sold out in December. But then on the 9th of January, on that Monday, nearly every single corporate client I've ever worked with in my entire life called me on the same day and said, oh, yeah, for the last three years, we haven't done anything because no one's been in the office. But we're all back in the office as of today. So... Um, I have been sitting at my computer and very, very excitingly, I've been editing video like nonstop, like that nonstop. sounds so exciting. It's not. <laughs> it's really not. It's, I've got, there's like six tracks, music tracks in this one video I'm pulling together at the moment. I was going to say, you're going to have some good tunes, so noise-canceling oh. headphones, so you can't hear Laura or Isla whenever oh. they want to disturb you. And you would well, I'm have in the office, that. luckily. So you would have to know. You would you've bolted the office door, have you? Oh, you would have seriously. to know when you transition from the coffee to the alcohol. Is there a, is there a time? Do they overlap, or is there a is there a gap, or is it just uh, oh, definitely from- an, definitely an overlap? Yeah, they. Um, <laughs> it's funny though because so if I drink I'm, lots I'm of thinking what happens is from five a.m. through till perhaps about eleven a.m. I might be a bit late on that one. You're the coffee man, and then from eleven through till perhaps like eight pm, nine pm. That's oh, more like eleven pm, but yeah. <laughs> and then the coffee kicks back in at some it's stage. A vicious there. cycle. A vicious yeah. cycle. Yeah, you just—it's a twenty-four hour cycle. It never it ends. Is. 
It is, but it's no, it's that is, that's just the thing. Because I mean, if you, for those who have never edited video before, it's really uh, people just don't get it. Like we've we recorded four and a half hours worth of interviews that needs to be cut down into like ten to eleven minutes max, ideally six minutes. And right. these are not people who are professional interview, you know, interviewees no, who give no. you these beautiful sound bites. This is like everyone saying that what's on their mind basically because it was a you know it wasn't disorganized in the organize in the in the planning of it but it was you know you you really want the authentic story so you don't want to lead them down the path too much and yeah so i've i've listened to the same interviews and the same music tracks i reckon oh can't be shy of 600 times in the last week oh no um yep so it's um you know, it's been pretty riveting to, on, on, on my yeah. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Geez, I wish I had your life. Hey, for every hour of video record, you record, how many hours of editing does that equal, do you think? Mm, well, at the moment, it's equal to about four hours. Right. One Currently. Four and we're not finished yet. Yeah. Well, it depends though because if it's someone who just doesn't say much and you know there's only three things that you can pull out of it, that's, that's one thing. But it's, there's actually some really cool technology, right? So you can actually go onto your timeline now and you can hit transcribe and it will send it off into the cloud and give you a script back. So you can actually search things via yeah, text and clever. stuff, which you could never used to do. You used to have to like, if someone said, oh, didn't they say this on the day? You're like, oh, I don't remember. And you have to go back through the whole hour of recording. Oh, God. This is, um, you now you can kind of search it, but it's still it's still bloody time consuming. And it's just like the way people say things doesn't fit together. You know, if they miss a little bit of context, the statement doesn't work. There's just so much going on in it. It's, um, it is quite quite fun for the first like five or six hours. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just gets to that point where you just want to, you need to have a few wines because you do just need to like turn the brain off a bit and you need to sort of be able to see the bigger picture, not the, all right. the details. And the coffee is the detail stuff. The wine is the big picture. And so, right. um, yeah, you do, you do have to, um, oh, like a sine wave, I, I fluctuate between the two. Fair enough. Hey, I yeah. was going to ask something and I cannot remember. It's just escaped my brain. Oh, and I've been checking out a bunch of awesome new lenses just to give a hint about today's topic. Wow, that's a great segue, Matthew. Why have you been checking out new lenses? Well, there's just some really cool stuff happening at the moment, which is oh, weird because you never hear about cool lenses. Like they're not, they don't come around very often. Right. So tell me, give me some examples. Uh, so Olympus or OM Systems last week announced their brand new 90 millimeter macro lens, um, which is a two to one magnification. So it's actually double the macro of their existing lens. Right. Which is pretty cool. So you think about like when people yes. buy a macro lens, they often kind of go like, I want to take a photograph of an ant. Yeah. And you go like, that is not macro. That's super macro. That's like really epically macro so it's very hard even with like a bull ant you you won't be able to fill the frame with its head or anything you're going to get like its whole body and yeah. still be disappointed yeah um but a two to one ratio means that you're expanding your subjects by a multiplication of two so doubling you, it yeah yeah so if you've got your sensor is like let's just say it's an inch across just because it's an easier number to work with you can make a subject that's half an inch fill that sensor right whereas if you use traditional macro a one-inch sensor means your subject can be as small as one inch, which yeah. is not that that's, – that's pretty big still, isn't it? It's not really macro anymore. Well, right. it is macro, but it's not some feel macro-y. Right. So are Olympus the first one to do this with these lenses, are they? Uh, no, definitely not the first. There's um, right. Lauer make a bunch of lenses up to five times magnification. Wow. Um, incredibly difficult to use and um, 
they are they're very specific you know they're not mainstream so this is the first mainstream lens that's got all the bells and whistles that you would expect from a regular lens um that i've seen anyway that's that's more than a one-to-one ratio yeah nice yeah, it's bloody massive though. Considering it's an Olympus lens, it's yep. um it's about the same size as a regular lens, right. like your regular macro lenses um, from a full frame camera brand, and um, yeah, but it's got that functionality, which makes it very very unique. And what's the cost? I don't know that they've released the cost yet. I'm not too sure. They might have. Um, I've seen a couple of demo shots through from it. It's not on the shelves just yet, so it's kind of still in like exciting marketing land. Where do you hear all of this uh, new news, Matthew? Do you receive an email? From- Just through my contacts, mate. <laughs> contacts, my contacts. Yeah. So well connected, um, mate. My agent, my agent sends me a brief every morning with all the things <laughs> that are going on, and I um I read that over a coffee. A bit like what the president does, you know, they get their morning briefing. Um, yeah. I didn't realise you were so well connected, but I should have known. I should have known. You should have known. Well, have you Googled me? No, <laughs> probably not. No, you should. Uh, <laughs> no, there's a whole bunch of <laughs> let's cut the shit. There's a whole bunch of rumor sites that um that you can follow on. So if you're interested in um you know obviously your own camera brand, there's four three rumors is for Micro Four Thirds. So that's kind of covers Panasonic and Olympus. Um, you've got uh, Sony Alpha rumors, um, which is obviously Sony. You've got Nikon rumors, uh, Canon rumors, and it's basically like people who dedicate their lives to doing nothing but searching the globe for credible rumors. And they've all got contacts inside the industry, especially inside the manufacturing plants. And so you get like leaked images and leaked specs. And and sometimes these are like two or three years out, these products. And then, and they track them and follow the the rumors and update the rumors as they go. So it's pretty active. It's got probably, you know, there's probably five or six stories a day posted on each of these sites. The only one I tend to sort of follow is the DJI. I'm always interested to see the rumours that come out about their drones. Oh, okay. Is this yeah. because you're waiting for something in particular to come out or because, you know, you just... No, 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 just out of interest. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm very happy with my drone. What Did you end up upgrading to that Mavic 3? Uh, I've got the 3. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Do you know there's yeah. a new one that I've seen that's come out? It's been advertised in the news recently that I'm looking, I'm sort of looking at, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, it's actually a um, a balloon. And um, what? They, you can fly it internationally over other people's countries and everything. <laughs> really? And, um, okay. You can capture all sorts of information. It's got, it's right? got, it does really good sound, apparently. Um, it even picks up infrared radio waves um, <laughs> and intelligence and stuff, which is pretty cool. So thank you, DJI. Yep. <laughs> What's the cost of one of those? A few billion? Oh, I don't know. I think the, the problem is that, that you, there's no, like, you know how if you crash your drone, they'll send you a free one. Um, if, your drone, if, your, if your balloon gets shot down by a, um, a what are they, a Tomahawk <laughs> missile, um, yeah, I don't think they, they replace it for free. So it's just, it's a big risk, you know? Big risk. Yeah, look, yeah. I don't know. You get insurance on that. Yeah. On that I don't think you need your CASA all. license, though. You just, I think the whole <laughs> point is to just evade the CASA license. But um, yeah. <laughs> launch it offshore or make it goes offshore very quickly out of a please tell, please tell me that it. that made it to the dji rumors like as like a dji's latest and greatest <laughs> it can carry a payload of three bus loads worth of uh surveillance equipment very exciting great publicity so i i was away the upshot of that was that it wasn't a chinese spy satellite after all is that right no, I think one of them was. I think the big one that had like it had the equivalent of three buses worth of payload, 
and that one was, and then the other ones they sang all weather weather related things or something. But I don't know. Who knows? There could be aliens. Could be aliens. There's a whole lot of meteorologists around the world just pulling their hair out at the moment. They're crying yeah, in their Wheaties because their 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 favorite balloon got shut down. Got shut. Oh, not down. just that, but the worst. Like the the more ridiculous part of this is that it's a balloon, right? They used a seven hundred thousand dollar missile to shoot <laughs> it out of the sky. And they're in an aeroplane. Like, surely you just, like, fly past really quickly and throw a needle at it or something. You just go, pop. Slug gun. Yeah, slug. Exactly. Get a twenty-two. Get a (laughs) twenty-two rifle if if, if, worst case. But, um, no, $600,000. That's the taxpayer dollars going and being well spent. Wow. Imagine the money that gets spent on military technology every year. It's just mind-boggling. All supported by DJI. Thinking of going backtracking a second, a very funny story to tell about Google and Googling your name. So if you Google my name, hopefully it comes up with me, but it might also come up with a cider apple, apple, a very sour cider apple originating from the UK called a Tom Putt. And really? I'm that- sitting next to this old couple in the plane on the way home from Yellowstone and he sees my computer open and I'm working on my website. And he goes, Tom Putt, that's the name of an apple. And I went, yes, I realise that. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> we get chatting about it. because, And I'm like, how do you know? And he goes, oh, because we have a whole lot of, we have an orchard at our house and we have a whole lot of cider apples growing. And I said, oh, Tom Putt. And he goes, no, sadly we don't. And I said, well, bad luck for you. Yeah, he's and- gone for the second best, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Later on in the conversation, he's gone, so um, why, how did you come up with the, name Tom Putt for your company and I went that's my name <laughs> and he goes oh okay <laughs> oh. anyway that's a short and very sweet little conversation that we had um, yeah do you know that 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 weirdly enough your Tom Putt apple has a few other names it's oh also called the plowman yes the Colbrook yeah the marrowbone or weirdly Thomas Jeffries that's what I want to be known as from now on. That's going Thomas to be my, Jeffries. That's my porn name, Thomas Jeffries. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of weird though, because you can imagine Tom Putt, who 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 probably um, discovered or bred this apple, genetically modified it into what it is today. He did all this work, and then Thomas Jeffries is like, "Yeah, I grew one as well. We'll call that one the Thomas Jeffries. <laughs> it's it's the same apple. Yeah, but I grew this one. You know, <laughs> you think it was it was Just, a, a bitter legal dispute." Um, back oh, in the 1700s. Or I think it would have gone really sour, yeah. Yes. <laughs> boom, boom. Hey, <laughs> new lenses. Speaking of new lenses, which is our topic for today, how do you go oh, about wow. shopping for a new lens, Matthew? I was over in uh, this uh, remote little town called Cook City, which is right adjacent to Yellowstone. And it's funny over there, they chase wildlife like there's no tomorrow. So if there's a fox sighting by the side of the road, all of a sudden the word gets around. And there'll be 20 photographers standing there with a four, five, six hundred mil lens waiting wow. for this fox to appear. It is like it's a friendly wild goose chase. It's fantastic. You've never it, seen so many lenses before in your life. Is this kind of like in Kruger where they radio around? There's like a radio channel that you can be on and then when you Seriously, hear it, you're like. Every time you pass somebody in the national park, everyone slows down and says, G'day, how are you going? Uh, seen anything interesting? You know, everyone's spreading the word mm. about what potentially is around, which is very nice. It's very collaborative. And so this lady was standing there with this lens and it was covered in camo because they're into their camo over there. 
Mm. And I'm like, oh, okay, fair enough. It looked white with camo, <clears throat> like a cannon, but then I saw Nikor by the side of it and I went, I might be able to nestle up next to her and have a little chat. And she is the only other person I know that I've met who has an 800mm f6.3 Nikon lens. So we're kindred spirits and we had a great chat and we friended each other on Facebook. And uh, you know what she said? She said, I had lost interest in photography and then she got herself this lens with a a Nikon Z9 camera body. Nikon Z9 camera body. And she's fallen in love with photography again. So those, what's the take home for all our listeners out there is that if you have fallen out of love with photography and you're not shooting on Nikon, you need to just swap over and you will be in seventh heaven as I am. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really um, really good message there, Tom. <laughs> that's my yeah. nugget of gold for this. I was going to say someone, someone's that. obviously been, been given some sort of incentives by, um, <laughs> by, by, by hi, Julie Kimpton, just a shout out. Um. <laughs> Lovely Julie Kimpton. Isn't she amazing? She is. She is. She's, a, she's, she's um, the best. another human, isn't she? <laughs> she is the reason I turn up to BFOP every year. Oh, well, besides you, know. you, you Matt. Well, lucky well. for you, she's so coming back. I mean, to be there. So. <laughs> the whole team's coming back up this year. It's Nikon's got it. They're bringing all, everything, the kitchen sink included. They brought and a lot last year. Oh, my God. Did you see how many lenses? They couldn't have oh, fit any more lenses on that trestle that's table. That's nothing. That is really? nothing. And they are co-sponsors of perhaps the most exciting surprise we've ever had at BFOP. Well, tell us now. What's the surprise? Well, then it wouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> yeah, but... Who cares? It's not going to be a surprise but, once you reveal it, so you might as well do it. <laughs> I thought you were about to say it won't be. A, it'll still be a surprise because you know, like no one listens to this anyway. Um, which is not true. We know that there's a couple of people now. So, um, are you seriously going to hold? Well, speaking of which, I just re- I, I sounded very distracted a five minutes ago when you're talking about that Olympus lens because I got a text from um, an unknown source um, who might run another podcast. Um, similar to us, steals all our steals all our topics. Look mm. at you and Matt go. Number 30 on this week's episode. Nice. We need number 40. BFOP is hitting the charts. Ha, ha, ha. He sent this screenshot. What is number 30? Number 30 is we talk crashing cars, crashing drones and, drones and Caragini. That's like a really old episode of ours. Like, But what do you mean we're 30 out of what? <laughs> 5,000. But what? I don't know. Like as this, in. This is. This is. Um, on I what? Think, I think this is. <laughs> listen to me. This this looks to be looking at the names of the other um, episodes in and around us at number thirty. It looks to be a, like an arts podcast. Like this is the top of the charts art podcast. Are we thirtieth in like in Apple, or are we thirtieth in like? I'll find out. Very find specifically, Victoria based landscape. The most the, the most nonsense talking is, podcast. Quite <laughs> <most> important thing. <laughs> This other unknown or not to be named podcast is number 40, so we're beating them. There you go. Now, everyone, don't bother looking below number 30 on the list because you might discover what that podcast is. Um, <laughs> Mind you, next to our number is is a red triangle pointing downwards saying 12, which means we dropped 12 places. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, that means we were even better the week before. That's exciting. It's higher as number 18, Matt. This is unbelievable. Well, should, we, should we actually just talk about, I mean, if we want to maintain our position Above number forty, we should probably talk about something. Mary's Mary's sitting here listening, and she just did a massive sigh as, as though Jesus Christ, you guys talk shit. Get on with it. 
she's about to pull her. She's about to stab herself in the eye, I think. So we should move on. That's that would not be a good look. When you're shopping for a new lens, um, mm. we're gonna do we we did we seem to do reasonably well with our last podcast, which was all about how to set up your new camera. And we went fit, tit for tat. So should tit we go for tit tat. for tat for that for this one? What yeah, to look out what... for when shopping for a new lens? Okay. I like that. Because I think we've like got some different things. You sent me some of your notes, which were wildly <laughs> extensive, by the way. Um, and Thank so I you. think we actually have quite different things um, to, to look at here. I, I, I will kick it off because you're not taking the bit by the horns. Is that what you're supposed to say? What, <laughs> so what you're going to start with the tit, basically, yeah. I'm going to start right, with I'll the, tit the tat. Gonna, yeah. I'll be the tit and you be the tat. Um, Sounds good. How about the number one is, is for me is the purpose of the lens, not just buying anything, not just buying anything you might. And I know, I think you taught me this, although I'd like to think that I thought of this myself, is that when perhaps you're looking for a new lens, you might say to yourself, I really need something wider. I've, I've got a 16 to 35, but I'd really love a 14 to 30 or a 12 to 24 or something like that. You may well want to go into Lightroom Sort your catalog so that in the label, I think it is on the far right, if you click on the word label, you can actually use it to select the different. Uh, you go in metadata, metadata. Metadata. Yeah, in metadata, but I think then it's the label on the right. Oh, That's the oh you can select any, any of the columns, yeah. yeah. Right. And you can select the uh, lens and it will tell you what specific, down to the millimeter, what specific focal length you've used for each of your photographs and it obviously tells you how many times you've used that focal length uh, then if you find that perhaps with your 16 to 35 mil lens the majority of the time you're using it on 16 mil yes you may well enjoy having a wider angle lens because you seemingly you're already looking for that super wide angle anyway so perhaps buying a 14 to 30 nikon nick nikon uh 14 nikon. to 30 red mount f4 lens i've got one of those it's a very sweet lens 12 to something or other things like that so you may well do well by getting a wider angle lens for I'll example stream the other way where you've got yeah. a telephoto lens and you're like on 200 and you find yourself shooting it with your 70 to 200 always at 200 well clearly you might need something a little longer Shameless plug, go. Shameless plug. If you jump onto my YouTube channel, there is a 15-minute video that takes you through that process. Is that right? We should put that in the show notes, Matt. I might even make a note. We should put that in the show notes. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know where the show notes go, so I won't won't probably do it, but you could. For for those who would like to look at our extensive show notes each week or each time we record, go onto our Facebook group, just sort for... Or look, search for Matt and Tom's excellent podcast and you'll find the show notes. There you go. There you go. Well, I definitely agree with that, Tom. I think that the purpose, I'm going to take your one. You're not a step further. I'm just going to do a, do a, a, um, a parallel step with your one to back it up and then I'm going to do mine. But I think the, the, the purpose is really important because, yes, you've got to be, um, I guess, make sure that you're buying a lens that is going to fit your purpose, but I'm also going to say that I, I reckon that one of the best things you can do when you're looking for a new lens is really truly ask yourself, do you need it? You know, oh, so no, that's no fun. That's no fun. Really? Yeah, well, <laughs> I say that because, you know, I, <laughs> Mary, just, right. Mary just looks to me and goes, I don't need that dress, but I'm going to buy it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's one for you. Want um, this versus one's need. Want versus need. 
Well, wants versus need, yeah. But like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, shout out to Terry and Josh who have been on a few workshops with me recently. Um, oh, now Terry's got herself a D seventy five hundred. Probably like Christine hasn't learned anything from me, but um, no. <laughs> sorry, hi Christine. Um, the uh, but she 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 brought a big bag of all the lenses along the other day, and one of the things that um, was really interesting in that was. She said, oh, I want it. She's going to the States actually for a three-month big trip and said, oh, what lenses? I want to know sort of what my lens setup looks like because she'd bought a whole lot of lenses. This is before she really knew much about what she was doing with it. And there was a lot of double-ups there where, you know, you might get an overlap. You know, for instance, if you bought a 14 to 24 and then a 16 to 35, there's really not that there's a lot no. of overlap there's you know? no and use. so no. there's sort of no use like you might so i'm going to say that you got to make sure that you understand your yes your use and then make sure you're not kind of doing too much double up because the reality is you don't want to carry a lot of junk around and most people don't carry a lot of lenses so if you find that more often than not you're going to buy this lens but it's the heavy one so you leave that at home in, in in lieu of the light one it's really not worth it and i guess the other part to it as well in terms of your purpose and, and this actually this can be my you know my my tat right for your tit was um <laughs> <laughs> was that uh, especially with wide angle lenses which you're mentioning really understand your purpose as well as your telephoto lenses really understand the purpose because there are some limitations with some lenses you know there's some awesome awesome features in certain lenses but they have huge limitations one example is if you go for instance the 16 to 35 versus the 14 to 24 using filter systems on the 14 to 24 it can be done but it's a lot bigger, a lot more expensive, yeah. and a whole big pain in the ass. And people generally don't. So sacrificing a little bit of that zoom range to make sure you can use a filter system easily is much more important than the extra two millimeters of, of width. Or on a telephoto lens, for instance, if you buy like, if you take a, a look at say the, um, I used to have the Nikon 400 2.8, which was awesome, but the front element doesn't take filters. So you've got to put a drop-in filter in the back which was like $500 for a polarizer. And if you were doing a lot of stuff around rainforests, for instance, yeah. you desperately want to have a polarizer. Yeah. And so if you can't do it easily, then you've got to go actually maybe sacrificing a little bit of that, that, that quality or that distance or whatever to, to make life easier is going to be a better trade-off. Yep. Agreed. Mm. I'm sure there's more examples of that, you know, but yeah. Well, I, it's interesting you talk about that because carrying a bag of lenses around – from my recent trip, I took my 14 to 30, 24 to 120, 100 to 400, which I'm going to talk about in a sec, and then my 800. And I did not use once my 14 to 30 mil simply mm. because we just didn't get, we just didn't really need, because it was probably more a wildlife workshop than it was a landscape workshop, although we shot plenty mm. of great landscapes. We just didn't go. We weren't using that super wide-angle lens to get in close to something in the foreground. And the reason being is is because the snow was so deep, you couldn't step off the road in order to take a Ooh. photograph. So <laughs> you'd end up to waste in snow. So you couldn't get close to your foregrounds anyway. So, um, yeah, that was not something I would take in the future. Um, and, and I guess my point is that, well, if you're not a landscape photographer who loves super wide-angle photographs, What's the point in buying a wide-angle lens? Don't just buy it because everyone else has got one or you got told by somebody you should get one or the worst still, the person in the camera store told you, oh, you're a landscape photographer. Well, you need something super wide. Oh, oh really? Do I? Okay. $3,000 later, you're out of pocket. What do you, what do you so, reckon of this? Um, and this is this will be controversial just because why not? Yeah. 
But if you look at people, um, when you're photographing with an ultra wide lens, for instance, you know, using like a 14 mil lens, yeah. which is very, very wide, you do have to get really close to stuff. Would yeah, you go and, as far and as saying, those, those who came on my BFOP workshop last year would know that? They would, they would. And you can come again this year, team, just saying. Um, the, but, but would you say that you generally have to get very close to something and therefore if you were someone who had some serious mobility issues, would you sort of maybe recommend that, look, as much as you might look at other people's photos and go, they're amazing because it's so incredible, like look at how good the photos are that come out of it, those are often taken quite low to the ground um, yep. or in precarious yep. positions. So if you're someone who goes, hey, I'm not very mobile, I know that I'm not going to get down on the ground or yep. you know, consistently get low, maybe that's not a great lens. Maybe you just have oh, to say that. I agree, I agree. You know, time. maybe the 24 to 120 or 24 to 70 or something like that is probably more practical. There's mm. a couple of things around that. One is that you've obviously got uh, the person, most people don't know this, that most cameras these days have that LCD screen on the back that you can actually pop out and swivel and move around so that Very you don't true. have to be lying on the ground in order to look through your viewfinder and take the photo. You can hold it down low and you can still take the same shot but just swivel the LCD screen to face you. Um, and then and then um, I'm finding, conversely, I'm finding um, that, uh, we found at Yellowstone we were lying on the ground on the road while the bison were coming towards us um, and we needed to get up quick because there is a minimum distance to which you can be uh, within these animals and just it's national park law and therefore we would have to get up quick once the bison were really close and uh, jump back in the vehicle and um, some of the uh, less mobile um, participants amongst us uh, were not able to get it quickly so we found each other helping each other off the ground you know knees hips backs whatever and and so yeah that's the practical as well you don't have to be somebody who might have an injury it just might be that fuck, we're getting old and it's harder to get down on the ground and get back up again so again having those wide angle lenses isn't just practical anymore there you go right, there well you that go. was my that was my tat Thank you. So Thank you. Back oh, to your tits. Tit. <laughs> oh, I love it when you talk dirty to me. Um, what about weight and size? Let's talk about that for a second because really you might want to have the super new wide-angle lens or the 800mm f6.3, but you really got to think about whether or not that's going to be practical to carry. Um, for example, I normally just take a small crumpler bag, you know, a sling bag, with my camera gear in it. I've been traveling with that for the last few years, but, and it's super lightweight. I can fit my water bottle in there with it as well. And no one's going to pick me up at the airport and go, that's too big or heavy to fit in the overhead locker. By the way, in the US, they don't give two hoots about how much you take on board. Like they generally yeah, right. say two bags. Like I saw people rocking up with two bags and they were the size of overnight bags on wheels, <laughs> you know, everything else. Like, <laughs> And, and had no problem with fitting it in the overhead lockers, no problems about weight. So I had to take my large F-stop Tolopa bag, which is I think a 80, 40, is it a 40 litre? I think it's 40. might be bigger. It's, it's important to mention that when Tom says that he's, he saw people with those bags and you can take whatever you want, that is in business class, right, Tom? I wish. <laughs> I wish. I wasn't in business class, I wish. Uh, no, I don't have your budget, but I did, however, at the airport when I was checking in on the kiosk, gave me the opportunity to perhaps select my seat and select a little extra legroom, which I went mm. for. You're so a tall I, man, so that's probably what they offered. Up flying back in, what was it called? I think it was called Economy Plus, 
Ooh. Not premium economy. That was something else again. I think it was called platinum economy. This is in United Airlines. I think it's the first time I've flown United. It's basically um, just not next to the toilet. That's the that's it, it isn't it? It wasn't next to the toilet. I like to be next to the window so I can lean against the window and sleep. But mm. then I had to crawl over the two people next to me every time I wanted to go to the toilet. Well, when you got when you've got that extra leg leg room and the leg length, you can like a spider just um <laughs> you know spindle your way across anyway so um, you're saying you say was what you're oh, going yeah yeah so so Back to the topic think about this Matthew. think about how practical it is to carry that particular camera for example i've i've now switched over to f4 lenses rather than 2.8 because of just simply weight because i want mm. to do more hiking i want to take my camera gear with me i don't want to carry as much and i find the quality in those f4 lenses is just as good as the 2.8 so it's not that i don't want the 2.8 glass for the quality i certainly need the quality and i wouldn't use the f4 lenses if they weren't quality but the weight the f the difference between a 2.8 and f4 lens can be quite significant so and the price to be honest well yeah the price and and you know i, I bought both and this is another well skipping ahead i bought both of those lenses secondhand for example because uh, i didn't want to spend a huge amount of money on the lenses either so you can yeah. save money that way as well but anyway weight and size that was my next point think about that go go well, go I've got a good tap for your tit again. Go, go um, Feeds in. So I do agree with the weight and size thing. I think it feed, that there's actually a few things to deconstruct within yours. And, and that one was coming back to the original thing, which was what was the purpose of your lens. I think if you understand what you're going to be shooting with it, um, then you can make a better decision because sometimes just getting the better lens doesn't make sense. So as an example, if you look at cars, buying a Ferrari because it's a better car than, you know, a, what is it, the, um, a people mover. If you've got a family of seven people, yeah, you know, maybe the, the Ferrari might be a better car still, but maybe not for your purpose. No, it's not and practical. So, no. no, not practical. And I think no, I don't take my Ferrari to workshops. I leave it no. for the weekend. Just you say the Audi, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's my sort of, that's my sort of after hours during the week. After hours yeah. car, yeah. 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 But, but it's a really good point though, because with your, with your, with your size and weight thing, yes, the size and weight makes a big difference, but the, the cost and also you might be surprised to know um, for those listeners that the sharpness of an f4 lens is often better than the f2.8 lens um, oh, that's because, controversial how, how do you say says who uh if you look at the charts the charts no if you look at the um the 16 to 35 um nikon f4 versus the 14 to 24 f2.8 as an example the 16 to 35 blows it out of the water wow and um you know yeah, it's okay. a cheaper lens it's got a poorer aperture um, value, technically speaking, I guess, and uh, much lighter. Uh, can adapt filters, but it is a tremendously sharp lens, comparatively speaking. So um, well, this, it has... segues through to like um, talking about where do you go? Is there a reliable source online where you can... Oh, we'll get to that. The we'll experts. get to that. All right. You have to wait to the end though, Tom. That's how you make people listen to your podcast. You give them the, the real thing at the end. If those who are wanting to know a reliable source online in which no, to look at these lenses and perhaps somebody else who's an expert who's reviewed them we will be talking about that in about the next 10 minutes yeah but you're not sure when so you should probably listen to all of it but the the, the, the the part here that i want to go, shut up i want to go to the purpose right <laughs> is if you if you think about it right if you're doing astrophotography you need that f 2.8 well you don't need but you should really aspire towards those big wide open apertures but if you're doing general landscape it's in incredibly rare that you're going to use the f 2.8 
or oh, below totally. f4 so no, it's actually yeah. a useless feature to have in the lens and you're going to pay a lot more money for it and you're going to carry a lot more weight around so I think one of the biggest decisions in your lens is actually what are you going to use it for? A classic example for this, and Tom, I'm going to cut your, cut your lunch a little bit with this, um, but that's okay because it'll segue to your next Again. one. Again. The, um, I used to have my 400 f2.8, which I, I talk about a lot because I, I, I loved it dearly. But the thing was I, I bought it for wildlife and I bought a whole bunch of teleconverters with it so I could extend it out and whatnot. But in, the, in reality, when you're in, in a practical environment of photographing, um, having a fixed lens like that becomes really um, uh, tricky to use and very, very, very limiting. And so whilst I love the fact that it was 2.8, gave you nice fast shutter speeds, beautiful blurry backgrounds, it, it was super sharp. There's so much that was going on with it. I really, truly missed the ability to kind of pull out a bit wider or push in a bit more when you needed to. And I think that understanding what it is that you're going to be photographing first before making the lens decision can be um, powerful because you can you can also make sure you're not buying an f2.8 where an f4 would suffice or you're not buying a prime lens where a zoom lens would suffice. Um, and again, you save size, weight, cost, a whole bunch of different things. I, I think that's a good point because I think in the past with the technology – Really, prime lenses were the way to go. 2.8 prime lenses or, or mm. even greater gave you the best quality. And zooms were okay, but not great across the whole focal length. I think the technology has got so good these days that it's switched the other way. You can afford to go F4 or, or even um, slower, so to speak, and you can afford to go with zooms that cover quite a large range and get just as good a quality than a prime lens. So... I think it's um, old school to be talking about prime lenses, 2.8s, et cetera, being the best. And, and remember, we're pitching this you know, podcast at, at people who are our workshop participants who won't see the difference, the minuscule difference between perhaps a 2.8 and f4 lens. So what's the mm -hmm. point in spending that money and carrying that weight around when there's no need? For example, going on to my um, sort of most recent um, – experience was that just before I went to Yellowstone I realized that I had a gap in my in my focal length and it was between 120 which is I've got a 24 to 120 and 800 so that's a huge gap right that's a pretty big gap it's a pretty big gap uh, you know Hashtag like lens gap <laughs> trending it's trending on Twitter <laughs> um so you know I uh, you know, we'd had briefings about this workshop months beforehand and I'd said, well, I've got my 800 and they went, yeah, no, don't bother. Don't bother bringing it. I'm like, what do you mean? They go, oh, most of the wildlife's pretty pretty close to the road. So you need like the uh, 200 to 500, you know, 100 to 400. And I'm like, oh God, hold on. I've got to spend money on another lens. And I held off right until the last minute until literally I was leaving on the Sunday and I ordered this lens on the Wednesday. And it arrived on the Friday. Are you so, glad you made that decision? I'm so glad. You know what, Matt? So glad. And you know what? Not not necessarily for the wildlife because there was there was many opportunities for me to use that 800 and it was fantastic. But then the 100 to 400, I've never had that focal length before in my landscape mm. armory. And we had first day, first shoot, get out into a place called the Lamar Valley, which is a big open sort of U-shaped plain. It's minus 20 degrees. Um, there's fog hanging in the valley. There's trees off in the distance surrounded by fog. It was just amazing. And that 100 to 400 saved my life. 
I was shooting 400 mil, these beautiful compressed landscapes, filling the frame with these trees surrounded by fog and they're all covered in mist and ice and stuff. It was just amazing. Get excited, and, team. We can witness these in October in case you're wondering. <laughs> well, maybe, the, um, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe not. Depends if it makes the cut. So, you know, that saved my bum. That I was so pleased I had that lens and I really like having that in my um, in my arsenary. It's it's a it's the Nikon, you know, Z series. It's four point five to five point six. It's that's still pretty good. Yeah, and look, it's super sharp. It's still got 77 mil, you know, um, filter thread at the front. It's yeah. quite a quite a biggish sort of heavy lens, not massive, but still sizable. I was surprised. And uh, and it was it seems to be super sharp, super sharp. And I think it cost me I think it was forty seven hundred dollars. It wasn't cheap. No. It wasn't but cheap a good a good lens generally isn't super cheap. Well, Matt, this is probably my next point, which oh, is Oh, well, you've just had a point, so you just hold your me, horses. Let me just wink, wink, wink and maybe say that if you invest in good quality lenses, they should last. Would you agree? Ah, oh, well, I can well, you know what? How about I give you a tat in between? Right. Because I reckon this tat might might start to segue into that. I'm going to say that the future proofing of your lenses is important. Yes, what do you mean by that? Go well, there's two, two things that I'm going to throw in here, right? Um, and also, just guys, say, we've been talking for 44 minutes and no one has mentioned, really mentioned in a serious way, lens sharpness or anything. So if that's oh. giving you any indication, team, of what, what you should look for in a lens, yeah, okay, that's important. But all these other things are probably more important like than, than just straight up like MTF charts. The, so the one that I wanted to say is the, the, the future proofing of it comes into two categories for me at the moment, and it's a very unique point in time. Um, the first one is um, are you on currently on a DSLR system or a mirrorless system? So it, there is absolutely no, um, no dispute. I don't think anyone could um, argue that, that DSLRs are on the out. Um, I don't think I've seen a new actual DSLR camera being released in a while. Um, or if they have, it's been in a relatively kind of quiet way that says, yeah, sure, all right, we'll do this. But the, all the hoo-ha is about mirrorless, which makes a lot of sense. We, we knew that was happening, surely. We did. Not a, not a secret, yeah. Uh, but I know, think anyone who came to me and said, oh, I'm going to buy a new camera, what do you reckon I should get? I'm kind of like, well, don't buy anything unless it's mirrorless. Yeah, well, this is the tricky thing though now because if you go, if you've got a, you might be one of the lucky people who when the mirrorless stuff started getting really popular, you went out and bought yourself a DSLR at a bargain price so as an example the d850 from nikon which used to be about five and a half grand you can pick one of those up brand spanking new for less than four thousand these days and that's purely because it's been replaced with the z series and so if you went and picked one of these up because it was a bargain which is a great idea you can also pick up a lot of bargain dslr lenses at the moment versus the z series or the the, the, the mirrorless series in any any brand um that seems like a great idea because you might save, you know, almost 50%. But I promise you now that those lenses have got almost zero resale value because it's a it's an older system and give it a few years and they'll have even less than zero. You know, you'll actually have to take them to the tip and um, and pay to get rid of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the problem I'm seeing a little bit at the moment is when people are choosing a new lens, they're going, oh, but I can buy the Nikon 14 to 24 f 2.8 dslr lens and it's massively cheap compared to what it was um but if it's only going to last you a few years before you decide actually no you do want to jump on the z bandwagon um you know that's suddenly not really much of a bargain because it's going to be 
almost worthless. Um, even with adapters and stuff like that, they just don't perform as well, I don't think. And they, they're chunkier. They're even bigger than what they were in the you know when you had a DSLR by the time you adapt it. So that to me is something to consider is going, look, if you if you are stuck in DSLR land with a lot of equipment and you you know you're going to commit to it for a long time, I'd say go out right now and buy a bunch of spare bodies <laughs> whilst they're cheap so that you've got the next 30 years of cameras up your sleeve. Um, but with your, with your lenses, just be really careful about making decisions about buying into old technology because they don't adapt very well. I'm going to so, ask though, the adapters, speaking yeah. of which, no pun intended, Mm. Are they working well in order to be able to put the old lenses old onto lens the mirrorless mirrorless yeah, camera? Yeah, they do. But you got to remember that um, with a with a lens or focusing system, especially the speed of focus is a combination of lens and camera and them working together. And usually these days, the um, image stabilization is a combination of that too. So if you put an older lens on a newer camera, you won't necessarily get the new camera performance out of it. So if you're doing wildlife, for instance, and you adapt an older lens onto a Z series in Nikon land, as an example, um, yes, it'll perform and yes, it'll still feel snappy, but it's not going to be as snappy as what the Z series of lens will be. Like the, the technology in these has changed massively. We're talking um, about speed of fo- focus. Speed of focus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Things like focus tracking, which is a massive thing these days, you know, that it's all huge. relies on a very, Oh my God. They were all talking yeah. about that overseas when we were there. Yeah. Like this eye technology and how the camera can then detect the eye on an animal and just just track it. Mine, mine does – well, see, here's the thing. Mine does eye tracking for animals and even for birds specifically. The new Sony camera that's just come out, the, um, the R5 um, – sorry, the A7R. Yeah, A7R5 has an insect tracking mode where it only will focus on insect eyes. Like wow. it is nuts. And so you don't get those, those benefits if you're adapting old lenses. And I'll, I'll also say that most of the time when we move to mirrorless, one of the big, big draw cards is that it's smaller and lighter. And in fact, if you look at the last year of lenses that have come out, they have all been released, these new generation of lenses that are substantially lighter than their previous generation. So Sony dropped nearly 500 grams, I think it was, off their um, 70 to 200 in the latest generation. And if you're going to go and adapt an old DSLR lens, you're just not going to see it. In fact, shout out to Nick Fletcher. He oh, had the uh, 400 I mean, millimeter. We were almost through a whole. I know. Episode. I know. Almost there. We had oh the 200 mil, the 400 mil 28 um, in DSLR, and he put on his Z9. And within about six months, he's now gone and bought the Z series version of it because he said it's just, it's just they're, they're apples and oranges. Well, that's because he gets yeah. given it by Nikon. <laughs> he's not paid for that. Can I throw, because I know that we're going to wrap up now, but I want to throw one more into this because it's the same t- topic in, in please, terms of future briefing. Please, Matt. You're on a roll. Go for it, mate. And I think you can very much add to this, Tom, is um, the image format is really important. So if you're thinking you're a crop sensor at the moment and you're thinking in the future you might move to, to, to full frame, you can't use your, your crop sensor camera lenses. <laughs> In a capable way on your full frame camera, but you can go the other way around. Are we still talking about cropped sensors versus full frame? Like, no, I'm, I'm not saying one's better or the other. I'm just saying if you're currently no, no, shooting, crop like, are people still buying that. I mean, if you're in the oh, Olympus, hell yeah, in your, if you're in the Olympus system, you've got no choice. But yeah, in, well, in other systems, everyone should be buying full frame. Surely. Well, are you th- these days? You'd say that, but I mean, the price difference is still massive. It is still very substantial price. Like the, the if you want a high performance camera, 
No, but if you have a high performance camera like like in Nikon Land as an example, that we're using them as your, they should sponsor this this podcast today because they're, they're like our number one. But, I'm, I'm sending this episode directly to Julie right. Oh, now. you should, you should. Yeah. We should get her as a guest. That would oh tie it in even better. Oh yeah, but we get nothing done because no, no, no. But yeah, I was going to say it'd have to be after nine p.m. Yeah. <laughs> and we all have to be in the same room. <laughs> it'd basically be back to our first episodes where we didn't talk about anything. We just sort of like sat there and joked at each other. But the, um, <laughs> Perfect. Back to old times. But if you look at like a, a, a D seventy five hundred, for instance, um, that's a, a crop sensor camera, or the Z fifty even crop sensor camera does a pretty good job. Um, it has some attributes that are going to be better than the entry level full frame, and it's a cheaper price. So depending on what attributes of the camera you need, there are sometimes reasons to go crop sensor. Even wildlife, my gosh, you get the extra one point seven times zoom out of it. So. But um, but yeah, just be careful. You don't want to go on and be have a have a have a crop sensor camera today, buy a whole bunch of lenses, and then then come and say, oh, actually, you know what? I've decided to upgrade my camera because because everything else has to go out the window. Yeah, with it. yeah. I think we've touched on this already, but the investing in good quality lenses means that for your system means that they should last a while. I remember buying when I got my first sports photography, my first gig as a sports photographer. I I took out a $20,000 loan to buy all my gear, which included a 400 2.8 and the latest Canon 70 to 200 f2.8. That f2.8 lens lasted me 15 years before I sold it. And I would have paid three grand for it back in 1998. And I sold it for $900 15 years later. So it held its value quite well. Pretty good. And And I got 15 years of use out of it. Like that's remarkable for a lens with the technology moving so quickly these days. So, and, and importantly, you're buying. But if you buy these days, you need to buy today's generation, and you know that that system's capable in the future too. So yeah, don't go out there and buy a bargain yeah. DSLR lens. That's your future proofing. Um, to finish off, Matt, where do you go in order <laughs> to um, look at any perhaps reviews and know whether or not the lens is good and whether you should buy it? Well, I have um, a bunch more on my list here, so I think they might have to wait till next week. Oh, are we going to do a part two? I think we have to do a part two. That's do you reckon? Sexy. Maybe not. No, oh you know what? God. Let's wrap this. Let's wrap this. No, no, no. Let's no, just let's go five it. more minutes. Two more minutes and we can wrap this, I reckon. Oh, we're not going to do a part B. Well, I don't know. I think we're probably we're don't enough have enough for part B. Okay. Yeah. Where do Come I on. go? I've got two places that I go. Firstly, yeah. um, I use a website called imaging-resource.com. Yeah. You just uh, broke up there. What's it called? Imaging. Imaging.resource. Dash resource. Sorry. Right. Imaging. Dot, no, imaging-resource.com. Um, <laughs> it gives you uh, real-world um, lab-tested lens results, not MTF charts, which can be quite hard to read for a lot of people. So this will actually let you get, get a simulation of zooming the lens in and out and using it at all different apertures at all different zoom ranges, and it'll actually show the direct sharpness correlation on a f- crop sensor or a full-frame camera. It is incredible. Not all lenses have been tested. Sometimes they're a little slow with new lenses to come out, but I would always go there as my number one. Yes, excellent. Yep. Second one I would go to is um, I, generally speaking, don't do not go and Google image like lens reviews because you just don't know who who's reviewing it, whether they're credible or not. Um, well, even of, if they are credible, you don't know whether or not they've been paid to give it a good review. Exactly. You know? So someone who historically has been very good at this, there's two people actually. Um, one of them is Moose Peterson from, the, uh, I think, the States yep. um, for wildlife stuff. He's a Nikon guy though, so most of the stuff's Nikon. Um, the other one is Ken Rockwell has got a very, very, very long and distinguished history in doing reviews, very honest 
reviews. They're a little bit uh, um, sometimes old school, um, but I think that he he falls so far out of the influencer sphere that I um, I find him credible. I tell you where I go. I go on to B&H Photo, which is the largest camera store in the world. If you jump onto their website, I then find the lens that I'm looking to purchase and then I look at the number of reviews, the number of reviews, and also what it's received out of five stars. And if it's got a huge number of, not even huge, it just needs to be 50, 30, 50, 50 or more. And then if it's getting like four and a half out of five stars, I know it's a good camera lens because people have bought it and they've used it and they're, they're unbiased. I guess. Well, they're biased because they're probably using that system. But at the end of the day, if it was a rubbish lens, they'd say it. You know, pretty people are pretty honest when they give reviews online these days because uh, they're not being paid to do it. They're just general punters. So, um, yeah, I, I generally tell people to do that i say jump on a bnh find your lens your camera whatever you're looking to buy look at the reviews make sure there's enough reviews you don't want two reviews and they're both giving it five stars because that's not a huge sample size but uh yeah you know whilst you're wrapping this up i might even google the one that i just recently bought and see what that mm. gave me uh, as an example yeah lucky lucky last actually is um i know we're just going to add an add, add to this but um the other really good website that's been a bit long lost is um flickr yeah, right. Um, Flickr is still around. It's like it was a social media website purely for photography, um, you know, sharing photos. But they've got groups there that are dedicated to a lens. So you can actually say, show me all the photos that have been taken on this lens. And some of them are really crap, obviously, and some are really good. But at least it gives you a bit of an idea of how people out there in the community are using it. So you kind of even can go, oh, yeah, that's the kind of focal length. That's the sort of shot that I'm after. I know that lens in the right hands is capable of that shot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, I just did Google that uh, Nikon... 100 to 400 that I just bought before I went to the States and it's got 88 reviews on B&H and 81 of those are five-star and seven of those are four-star. So that's pretty solid. It's pretty good. Yep. And would you agree? Are you going to add to that with a five-star? You know what? Um, (laughs) I don't generally review them. I don't generally give them reviews. There's there's enough out there already. Um, But I probably need to use it a bit more. I know that sounds very contrary to what I've just said, but um, initial initial look at the images suggests that it's super sharp, so that's good. There you go. Hey, um, we need to chat on future episodes about manual versus any other mode because we had that little stash while I was away. <sighs> Did we not? Yeah, well, I, just, we- I, I don't know that we need to chat about it. It's just it's pretty obvious, I think. Oh, no, therefore we need to chat about it. Because it's not obvious to me. And the second is um, AI, like AI technology is exploding at the moment. We kind of touched on it today with the tracking for the birds and the insects, et cetera. But I reckon that's a whole nother episode we need to be chatting about because it's gone crazy at the moment, hasn't it? It's really come to the forefront in photography for sure with... if you want a good example of this team, um, DigiDirect has just launched a human versus machine image contest. $1,000 $1,000 gift card on offer. Is that right? Really? Yeah, because they got they got stooged last week with this. So um, maybe we can pick that conversation up for our next podcast. Ooh, excellent. Hey. In fact, Tom, up. how would you feel about us getting the creator of the AI bot that won the competition on the podcast? How would you? I, I told you you're connected. Mm, Let's do that. Do. See what that I can do. amazing. A guest presenter on the podcast presenter um don't forget that i have been spending an 
insane amount of time updating my workshop page my website there in order to make it super user-friendly and for everyone to know what's coming up. So if you haven't had a chance to look already, tomputtworkshops.com, tomputtworkshops.com, you will I, I you will just be amazed. You will be in seventh heaven and I would love your feedback on the uh, website Hold on, there. tomputtworkshops.com. Have a flick around. Mm, buddy, it's look. giving me a safari can't find the server. <laughs> Have a play. I'm not even joking. I just not. typed it in. It does not. It's tomputtworkshops.com. I've got it sitting here. Oh, right workshop. Oh, it's S. There's an S on it. Workshops. Workshops. I Tom can see Putt. it now. It's oh, looked, my God. Looked it's for so it in beautiful. the show notes. I know, isn't it? Isn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've gone way over time, Matt, but it's been a great discussion. I hope those who, the three of people who have listened, have got immense value out of our little discussion there about yeah. shopping for a new lens. And uh, we will catch you next time. See you later. Bye-bye. Do, do, do.